take a moment here, just share a few minutes, more of an introduction of what I feel, feel what's been, excuse me, stirring on my heart. And uh, I'm just going to pray and ask for God's wisdom here this morning. Let's pray. Father, I humble myself before you. I recognize that in and of myself that I have nothing good to say. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you would invade this place. Lord, that our minds would be attentive to your word right now. Lord, that our hearts would be aligned with you. That I just pray against any distraction, any slumberness, anything that would cause us our minds to be, uh, be not be attentive to what you have to say. So, Lord, I pray right now, your presence would apprehend us. Speak through me, Lord. Give me the words what you want me to share here this morning to your people. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want to just talk to you and then, Lord willing, the weeks to come here um, about our spirit man and our soul. Uh, so we can title this Spirit of Soul Power, first week of the series. And I want to talk to us just briefly to kind of set the stage in the, in the weeks here about a parable I want to talk to. Uh, one of, I think is one of the most important parables that Jesus taught in the scriptures and about us being led by the Spirit and not led by our souls. And there's some of the reasoning behind that, about abiding in His presence, in the importance of being led by the Spirit of God. Turn your Bibles, if you would, quickly to Romans 8. Uh, Romans 8. Or you can pull it up on your little apps there, whatever, in your phone or tablet. So Romans chapter 8, uh, reading 14. <clears throat> Scripture says, verse 13, For if we live after the flesh, you will die. But if we through the Spirit do mortify, somebody shall mortify. mortify. Yeah, that's a pretty serious word there. The deeds of the body, you shall live. And then he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and the daughters of God. Led by the Spirit of God, are the sons and daughters of God. And then jump to Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5. Probably I'm the only one that has a page Bible here. Because I don't hear any other pages popping or any gold. <laughs> Galatians 5. And verse 18. Well, I'll read verse 17. Uh... For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that when you cannot do things that you would. Verse 18. But if you are led. Somebody shall led. By the spirit. You are not under the law. Then it goes in and talks about the works of the law. And here's one of the questions I want to pose. And I'll come to it in a moment. And I'll just kind of end with a little really elementary education. Those for just for physical uh, illustrative purposes. But I want to ponder this question that's been going on in my spirit, especially in the last month or two. Why it seems for many believers, they come and they hear the word of God week in and week out and they don't change. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you come to church, you, you, you got the same issues coming up. I mean, did not the Bible said, whom the Christ set free is free indeed? Yeah. yeah. Why is it not working? So is it something that these words here in this Bible... 
really, it's just old words and dusty and, and it's just something that really doesn't change your life. Or, or perhaps maybe there's a disconnect somewhere else. And then what is that? What is that? And so why it seems that the word isn't working and, and at times people like you feel like you're not changing. Let me give an example. People, they just live in fear. Right now, we live in a season people are so fearful. They are beyond even fearful. They're in terror. They have anxiety. There are people that are unhinged with anger. <clears throat> I think we're the first generation of Fortnite that your video players that grow up on violence. Come on. Somebody say amen. You know, and, and they're, you know, so we have a generation of people that at the drop of a hat will kill that's, that's, that's kind of the season that we're living in with a generation that has been raised on violent video games and there's so much anger, lustful, bitter, people struggling with bitterness to, to forgive, unforgiving. How many know that the Bible says when we become a believer, we're a new creation? That's right. Right? Yeah, are you here this morning? Yeah. <laughs> I got to wake you up. We are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 in Christ Jesus. But for so many people, it seems like it's not working. Yeah, amen. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay, Pastor. If you know what I'm going through, you have no idea what. Oh, we have all these things going on in our spirit. We're so uh, tore up in our spirit. And <clears throat> we are new creations, and, and, but we're struggling, struggling, these strongholds in our life. And here's the thing it isn't, you know, you look back and you just think, part of my life, that, and, and I, I really felt God delivered me of that, and then all of a sudden, the stronghold returns. We're seeing that now. People's lives. That people have lived for the Lord. 20, 30, 40 years. And all of a sudden, something happens. But where did that come from? Was it dealt with? So I want to talk to you about the power of the spirit being led. And then our power of the soul. The soul. And I want to use the parable of the sower in a moment. And, uh, and the challenge is going to be that, that we would be people that are led by the spirit of God. Not our souls. It's the Greek word suke. P-S-U-C-H, a sukha, that's soul. And I believe that is one of the things that is a major reason why we don't see change in believers' lives. You can hear the word of God. You can, you can experience it. We can preach and teach. You can walk right out of here and remain the same. Because the soul has tremendous power still. Well, you're a new creation. Yes, you are. But the soul wants to survive. The soul will do anything it can to stay in power. The soul will keep you from coming to church. Your soul will keep you from reading the word of God. Through You, you love God, but you just won't read the word of God. Because your soul has power. It wants to be king in your life. It wants to dominate your life. And if you let it, it will. And you will walk defeated to the day we bury you. We're not going to have that in this church, amen? Yeah. We're going to have a, a church yeah. of, of people that, 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 that means that they walk perfect, they stumble, they fall, they get back up. But we want to be people that are led, men and women led by the Spirit of God. Are you waking up this morning? Amen. John 8, 31, 32, a text that we'll talk about and others. Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide, somebody shout abide. abide. That means continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them. That's what it means to abide. Then you truly are my disciples, and you know the truth. And I want to get back to that word disciple. You know the truth regarding not just salvation, but freedom. And the truth will set you free. John 8, 36, that talks about, it's that same word, free indeed. Somebody shout, free indeed. Free indeed. You know what that means? It means you are released from bondage. Uh-oh. Many Christians, we walk around in bondage. 
Now, I don't want to stand up here and claim that I don't do things I don't struggle with. I'm not saying that. All of us are overcoming in some area in our life. Come on now. Can that be real with you? All of us. All right. I, I don't think when they passed out the, you know, the fruit of patience, I was one that had a large amount of that. But I've learned, learned through trial and other error, you know, standing in lines looking like, what's the shortest line? And then I walk in that shortest line to check out and it's, you know, a trainee in beginning. You know, like, oh, man. And so I've learned at times, just calm down, Mike, and be patient. Come on now. And so God will bring us in those situations. But you are truly my disciples. You know their truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8, 36 talks about that. Released from bondage. And it means free indeed. It actually denotes complete reality. It means 100% freedom. Really, Pastor? Well, we're really not going to be, you know, until we totally, you know, come to, you know, to come to see Jesus. Well, I, I, I know there's things we will, we, we, we always will battle to overcome. How many hear what I'm saying? But God promises us freedom. And we should be people that are free. It's awfully quiet at this whole gospel church. <clears throat> it, but here's the thing. To be free indeed, watch this. It says, actually in the Greek it means it requires Seeking and seeking, seeking, pressing in, pressing in. And what that tells me, it goes on to say that actually strongholds can grow back. Did you hear that? A stronghold, you know, God delivered me of whatever it is, of alcohol, or he delivered me of this, or delivered me, set me free from that. And if we're not attentive, and that seed's still there, or we allow that soul power in our life, come on somebody, then that seed can grow back and, and it can manifest and then we have a mess. Right. How many with me say amen? amen. You know, I'm going to veer off here a little bit, but Matthew 28, Jesus said, verse 14, he said, you'll make disciples, make disciples. And that's really been stirring. How many know we have a real missions heart here at Church for the, Church for the Harvest. And I've been over 10 different nations preaching the gospel, 10, 12 nations and and uh, that's a passion. That's a passion of my, my wife and I and preaching the gospel, a representation, but not forgetting about our Jerusalem, here where we're at, in our community, and a beautiful community that we live in. Can you say amen? But Jesus said to make disciples, not converts alone. That's right. Okay, I just want to, I think, I didn't, so, so know that I come from a real passionate evangelistic missions heart. And so when I say that, it's just like, okay, when I heard people say that years ago, I would get upset about that. And, but the truth of the matter is, Jesus said, make disciples. So, so evangelism needs, needs to take place. In these nations where the gospel is being preached, and that has to happen, and we need to support that. But we need to understand something. Jesus said, there has to be something more than you just being a convert. Are you still with me this morning? Yeah. <clears throat> Especially in foreign missions. You know, in Africa, there's about 1.4 billion people right now, give or take. The Africa, the continent. And... <clears throat> That's as of 2021. The Christian population is around 685 million. This is in Africa. They believe by 2025, just in a few more years, it could grow to 700 million plus, 750, 60 million in Africa. And the reason is there's been a tremendous push and effort about what? Go to Africa, preach the gospel. And, and people have done that. And we've seen this over the last 50 years. I mean, back in 1900, there were 9 million believers in the whole con continent. That's in the 1900s. So in about 100 years, 122 years, we have 760 million projected believers in 2025. Someone say praise the Lord. Yeah. 
So the gospel has power. And I want to get into that too about this logos in our soul. There's power in the gospel. There's power in the logos, the spoken word. But you know what they're finding out is a lot of converts, but not a lot of disciples. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? Those converts that raise their hand and get a book, thank God, and go back, they go to school Monday through Friday at a Muslim school. Because the Muslims were smart, come on somebody, smart enough to say, you know what, we're going to build a school and we're going to get the kids. So you could go to your crusade and raise your hand, but Monday through Friday, we're going to get your kids. And we're going to teach them about the Quran. Come on, somebody. We're going to teach them about the Quran. We're going to teach them about Islam. And so these kids who know that this was right, God is real. This is where we're at in America. We need to take back the education of our children. And say, we've, lived, we've advocated that to, to wicked people that are woke. Uh, come on, somebody that are trying to shove something down our throat that we say, listen, we believe in freedom. and You have the freedom to do what you want. But don't restrict our freedom as believers. Don't stop our freedom. Amen. Don't shut that. You can do what you want. But for me and our house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we want to train our kids. We don't want to indoctrinate our kids. Tell them that a man can have a baby. No, you're a man. And you're going to marry a woman someday. Male and feet. Can I get an Amen. I told you I had a lot inside me. <clears throat> You're starting to wake up. But see, see, this is where we're at. we got to take back the Christian education of our children. You know what? I thank God for the public school teachers. And we have school, public school teachers in here. They really love God. They care about their kids. They know that they are in an uphill battle. That's right. They know that. And, and so we are for them, not against them. Yeah. We are for We think you are like... Frontline soldiers in the kingdom. That's what you are. You're a if you're a public school teacher and, and, and you love God and you're trying to reach your kids, I mean, you are on the front lines. And so you need our prayers, not our criticism. Okay? That's, that, that's what I mean by that. But here's the thing. Don't buy into the current teaching that says that the church is not commissioned to also teach and train kids. You know, there's a crazy teaching out that says that, that, that you know what, no, it's just, it's, it's only the parents and, and not, no, wait, wait, wait. My Bible still says in John 21, Jesus said, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep, tend to them, shepherd them. But Peter, if you love me, train, teach the lambs. That word lamb is different than sheep. And that word lamb means a young one. A child, one that's innocent. The church is also commissioned to train and teach children. That's right. And, and I'm not going to back away from that. I'm not going to back away from what this word says, how we to train and teach kids. Yes, I know there's different parenting styles and all that. But the word, I really feel the mandate to train the kids, to train the youth, to train adults. Can I get an amen? That's what the word in the, uh, lambs in the Greek means. Little ones. It means little lamb, a person of pure, innocent, virgin-like, gentle intentions. And so we're commissioned to. We're going to feed the lambs. Right. Feed the lambs. Feed them what? We need to feed them Christian values. We need to yeah. feed them faith. We need to feed them love. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Compassion, hope, humility, integrity, freedom. Freedom not to hate America, but to love America. Yeah. All right? America isn't all the same all. All right? But we know that God has blessed this nation and it's here for a purpose. Right. Right. Amen. And we can still meet freely at this time. Yeah. 
And we're going to hold a stand for that. Can I get an amen? All right. I said a lot right there. Let me just dive in before we pray here and conclude. Transformation comes through the logos, the rhema spoken word. Change in your life is only going to happen not by watching Netflix. Change in your life is not going to happen by you being an advent fisherman. Jesus was a fisherman. Nothing against fishing. Change in our life is going to happen not by you being the best, you know, hunter or, you know, snowmobile guy or whatever. Change in your life is going to happen not by listening to numerous thousands of podcasts just to stimulate your intellectual mind. Change is going to happen through God's Word. The Word of God is the only thing. Why do you think Hitler tried, you know, burn Bibles and Stalin? Why? What does this happen? Why would you even concern yourself as a world leader with that? Because this is a weapon. And Satan knows this is a weapon. So he wants to blind the minds of people so they don't understand the weapon. The weapon that can bring eternal life. The weapon that can bring you in right relationship with God. The weapon that can deliver you and set you free from your addictions. He doesn't want you to know that. So he doesn't want you to believe it. And he'll do whatever he can, philosophy or whatever, to, to cause you to not get the word of God in your life. Can you say amen? And so this parable, I believe, is one of the most important parables in the Bible. Because here's the thing. A lot of times we, and, you know, we have to, as, as, as teachers or whatever, you know, talk about what God's word said. But I believe this parable answers the why for freedom. So in other words, if I said to you, why should you abide in the word of God? If I just told you, you need to abide in the word. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, I've been busy, pastor, you know. I get just in my schedule. Yeah, oh, I leave, leave here Sunday morning, beat up, walk. I was like, I, I, I need to buy Monday morning. Oh, I'm busy. I'm busy until the week's gone. Oh, he's back to that sermon again, abiding, and I haven't abided. <laughs> Why should you abide? That's the question. Why should you abide? Why should you abide in the Word of God? Why should you pray? I know I need to pray. When I get around to it, prayers, I'm saying, we leave that for the. Spiritual ladies, we have the intercessor circle, quick text group. They pray. Me, I'm not called to. Come on, somebody. Why? Why should you attend church regularly, faithfully, to hear the logos in the rhema? Why? All these things, I believe, are answered in this parable. And it actually goes back to our spirit, soul, and body. Hey, look at that. Isn't that nice? Nice, even little boxes. If you can see that, I don't know if you can see that over there. And so simple elementary nursery. This is a nursery illustration, okay, that we could use back there. So nothing about your intelligence. But some people are really visual, and they need to see some of this. And, and I'm going to conclude here in a moment, but I really believe there's a truth here that God wants to solidify in our hearts here this morning. Parable of the soul, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Uh, excuse me, 1 through 20. I'm going to take the time to read it and set this up. Are you ready? And again, he, Jesus, began to teach by the sea, and a great multiple was gathered, multitude, excuse me, was gathered to him. So that he got into a boat and sat on it in the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. So you get the picture. So Jesus steps in this boat so they can hear him share. Then Jesus taught them many things by parables. And he said this to them in his teaching. He said, listen, listen, listen. Are you still dialed in here this morning? Are you listening to the word right now? Because remember, Satan comes to steal the word. 
Watch this. He said, listen, the soul went out to soul. It doesn't say the soul if he was black. Come on. White, Asian, Hispanic. Come on. It just says a sower went out to soul. So anyone that determines the soul, it will produce. It can produce. And that means God can use anybody. Are you a sower? Are you a sower? There's more. There's a whole message on that. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root within, it, it withered away and some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up, choked it and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some, what, 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. We heard that before. And he said unto them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Why would Jesus say that after he just said something? It's the same as me saying, did you hear that? That's, I, that's when I say, did you hear that? Did you get that? That's what Jesus did. He who has ears to hear. He just said, that's King James. But Jesus said, are you listening? That's what he's saying. Listen, because there's something there that wants to cloud your hearing and your mind to not hear the word of God. Wow, that's powerful. How many of you say amen? amen. <laughs> it means you're listening. And so he begins to explain the parable. He explains it. And, and so he says this, when he was alone, and those around him with the 12, not just the 12, those around him with the dearest people that just followed Jesus. They weren't the 12. They weren't the great, mighty foundation apostles. They were people that were so hungry that they could see, they could hear. Their eyes were open and they followed Jesus wherever he went. Are you a follower of the Lord? Are you a follower of the Lord? He says, those around him with the 12 asked about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing, watch this, they may see and not perceive. What? In hearing, they may hear and not understand. Lest it should turn and their sins be forgiven. What is up with you, God? I thought you wanted to get the message out. I thought you wanted to help people. This is unfair. What, 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 why are you saying mysteries? It should be very clear. Oh, how many of you know the message is very clear? Billy Graham preached at an eighth grade level for education for people. Look at the results he had. Made it. It's kind of like KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. Right? Simple. It's a, so the message is simple. It's not hard. The message is not complicated. And, you know, the simple gospel message. How many hear what I say? Say amen. amen. But it's Satan. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, Satan is the God, small g of this world. God of this world. And watch this. It says, he has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to prevent them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of Christ. Blinded the minds. Blinded the minds. And there's people that are not able to, we're not talking about, when we talk about mind blindness, that they're, you know, they're not able to visualize things and they can't imagine things with, you know, anything introspection. We're not talking about, we're talking about that Satan deliberately puts across your path through growing up, through your household, uh, and through going to public school or wherever you're at, relationship, friends, things in your way to cause you to come up with a blind mind, whether it's idolatry, right. some people it's superstition, something it's false philosophies. So it, here's the thing, if you dig deep into this, it actually talks about Satan, if you dig into some of the commentaries, that there's actually an evil spirit, that they have a name of this evil spirit, it's called the angel of death, 
And that is his sole job on earth is to blind people's minds. His sole job is to blind your mind. So you can hear the crazy preacher and you can walk right out here and go, you know, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And freedom was actually being spoken, but you didn't walk out in freedom. You didn't hang on to that word. Because something happened somewhere and that angel of death is out there blinding our minds. How many with me say amen? I'm almost done. I really am. How many of you remember before you were saved and how you thought? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes we, now that we're saved, we seem to forget how we thought. And we thought like wickedness. We thought like sinners. And, and so, so that's why, I mean, how many of you thought like, you know, like, would you ever imagine yourself coming to a church? Yeah. Oh, people like drink and party and wild, living in sin. Never imagine. But here you are today. What happened? Something happened in your spirit that affected your soul that changed your body. And that is the word of God. That's how powerful the word of God is. That it can take someone from the depths of despair, brokenness, and, and, and just fallen state and can transform your life. Just through the preaching and teaching the word. Did you, have you physically seen Jesus? No. I imagine. Some of you may think you have, but I, I haven't. God bless you if you have. You're blessed, but I have not. And you still, you serve the Lord today That's because right. of something that was spoken. Amen. Come on now. Amen. What? Words are powerful, especially God's words. But Satan and that evil spirit that is out there wants you to be blocked in hearing the word of God. And he has ways that he doesn't. Ways that he doesn't. And we'll get into that, uh, Lord willing, in the weeks to come. And so... Uh, how many know it's important? It's very important. It's vital that as the church, we continue to make the good news visible. And I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, okay, we have this building now, and you've blessed us, and we see the miracle. And I was like, okay, Lord, this next season, and he's like, I have a tremendous harvest. You know, all it takes is one global catastrophe. Do you remember 9-11? Yeah. What did people do when the local church? They broke the doors down in New York City. They broke, they literally shattered the doors and they ran in because they thought, it's the end of the world. What does that tell me? People, sinners that are living, they know God is real. They, they know God is real. And when you just think that sinner is partying and having fun and you're just here suffering for Jesus and they're just living the life, oh, my brother and sister, don't think that way. Don't think of that way because in a moment of time, we need to have compassion that if they don't know the Lord and they die in that state, they go to hell. They go to hell. <clears throat> that just tells you they broke the doors down. They stampeded the church. It lasted for about six months. It lasted about six months. People were like, oh, God really doesn't care about my sin. There's so many bad things going. He really doesn't care about my state. So I can continue to do these things and nothing's going to happen. That's a lie. That's a lie. The devil is a liar. Can you say amen? Verse 13. He explains. Jesus said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? That's a key right there. I'm almost done. He says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately. Satan comes immediately. Immediately. Immediately to steal the word. Now, out of these four soils, 25%, the devil's involved. He's not involved in all of them. That's where your soul comes in. We're going to talk about that. But Satan comes immediately to steal the word that is sown. 
Because why? He hates the word of God. He hates it. He, he comes to take away the word that was sown. How? Argue it through. This doesn't pertain to me. I'm not listening. He's shouting, but I'm not listening. Or, you know what? He's really aggravating me. I don't believe God that way. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is. Come on, somebody. Are you glad I'm back? <laughs> and he comes to steal the word, and that's what he does. Every Sunday, he tries to steal the word. You think he's sitting idle here? Do you think he's out at Starbucks somewhere? Well, he may be at Starbucks. I don't know. He, you, you, you think he's just sitting like waiting? Well, they're at church. He wants to get into your mind, even now, to get you distracted from the word that is preached. And he said, likewise, these are the ones that are on stony ground. And when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Yes, amen, pastor. But they have no root in themselves. And so they endure for a time. <clears throat> Afterwards, when tribulation, persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. He goes into verse 18. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things enter in and it chokes the word of God. So the word of God can be preached, but it also can be choked. Is the word choked in your life? And it becomes unfruitful. But then the good news is those that are the ones sown on good ground, that seed, they hear it. Watch this. They hear that word. They accept it. And they bear fruit. And then it talks about 30, 60, and and hundredfold, and it's like a woman carrying a baby. How many know at three months it's a certain size? Six months. I always thought that, like, well, maybe I'm only getting a, a fruitfulness of 30%. No, carry the baby to full term. Amen? Get the hundredfold, whatever that, that you're believing for. And so stand with me if you would, please. <clears throat> I'm trying to bring this to a conclusion. Going back to our question as we started off, talking about the soul. Why is it seen like the word of God is just, at times, you read the 8,886 promises in God's word. These things that talk about what God has in store for you and I. Why does it seem at times that it's not working in your life? Week after week, you hear the preaching and teaching of the word. And it seems like it's not changing. What is that? What is the reason behind that? You know, I've heard someone say to someone that was in fear, and they went up to him and they said, well, so-and-so, you know what the Bible says? Perfect love casts out fear. Well, how many know in that moment, the word is true, but what you need is not just the word, but you need, you need an impartation. How many hear what I'm saying? So you need an impartation. He's like, well, yeah, I'm a believer, but I'm still afraid. How many know that if you experience God's love, then you're free? If you experience that fear leaves you. When I think about that in an encounter uh, back in 1997, I had the opportunity to, on a missions trip in Odessa, Ukraine, uh, <clears throat> go into a maximum security prison and life sentence for the Russian or Ukrainians is 15 years. If you can make it, you, they let you out. I mean, <clears throat> it wasn't like it was all sanitized. It looked like it was an actual junkyard. It was metal and they make plastic plates. I mean, someone could make a shank and 
it, it was just like, oh my gosh. And so for us and our team to get in there, the missionary Pete, he goes, you're going to go preach at this, this, uh, this uh, bathroom security prison in Odessa. I'm like, what? Really? I said, we have like armed guards with us? He goes, no, man, you just take the team in. <laughs> he, he was wild. <clears throat> and so they basically strip search us to get us in. And so they get us in, a small team. There was about 1,500 in this prison, about three, four, 500 of these prisoners showed up. And they were just all right there. And in my mind, I'm on the stage thinking, oh my God, they can storm the stage. <laughs> They'd kill us. I mean, I'll probably take a few down, but I don't, <laughs> the 500, you know. <laughs> It'd be like, you know, John Wick against a million zombies. I don't know. You know I, I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm hearing what I'm saying. And anyhow, uh, I, so this fear was on me. And it was like, you're going to preach. You're going to minister right now. And I remember in that moment, say, Lord, I need not just a Bible verse, which is powerful. But I need that verse. God has not given me a spirit of fear to be a reality in my life right now. And for some reason, I don't know how to explain it, but the experience and presence of God came upon me to recognize and know that, that we were there. It was just a simple understanding just opened my heart and mind that, that we have the truth and these people need the truth. And this is the thought that came in my mind. If I die and they kill me, I die. But I die with my boots on. That one thing caused me to overcome. So I stepped out on the stage, and the missionary said, just kick things and start spitting, and, you know, and then I started kicking things and spitting, and, and these guys, you know, that, that's what they respond to. And I preached the gospel by whole heart, and when, once they found out, too, I also spent time in the United States Marine Corps, the guards started to panic. How did we let this military guy in? Is he a spy? And the whole thing seemed like it was going to come unravel. About 65 to 70 men came forward for first time salvation, crying right there. And they began to weep. And then after that, as soon as the meeting's over, they surrounded me. They surrounded me. And, I, and all of a sudden they wanted me. They had old broken parchments of Bible verses and parts of Bibles. And like, please sign the Bible. And I'm like, sign the Bible? I don't understand. And they're surrounding me and the fear came again. Someone can put a shank in you. You don't even know what's going on. You're standing here, but they're pressing in on me. I thought, you know what? I die, I die. So I'm signing, and one of the guys said, maybe you shouldn't put your home address on that. I'm, not, I'm signing, you know, Mike Bartholomew, Alexandria, Minnesota. The point was is that that fear left in that moment because I experienced God's love. And see, I really believe that God has that for each and every one of you. We have seasons, as Acts, as I read, seasons of refreshing. Refreshing. Can you say amen? Personal encounters, the Bible says in Acts. Seasons of refreshing. And I want to just conclude uh, with this, this illustration here. How transformation happens. The reason the word of God at times seems like it's not working in our life is that in the beginning, God created us spirit, soul, and body. The Bible talks about that. So very briefly, our spirit is, is what gets born again. It's where God takes his spirit and puts it into our spirit, man or woman. And this becomes awakened. It becomes alive. And how many of you in here have your spirit awakened alive? Amen. Yeah. You're a believer. You know what I'm talking about. 
Now, just because you have that, do you not sin? I didn't, I didn't think of anyone here. I mean, I would like to say I don't, but I'd be lying. Why? Because the soul is our mind, will, and emotions. And so even though our spirit, elementary, which is real, nursery, is saved, our soul needs to be reckoned dead. It needs to be conformed to the logos. Do not underestimate the power of the soul. The power of the soul will keep you addicted to alcohol. Come on, somebody. The power of the soul will make you a fornicator. Come on. I'm just hitting on top of things. The power of the soul will keep you bound in gambling. The power of your soul will keep you disillusioned, depressed, full of anxiety. If you let it. If you let it. Now, the body is just going to follow whoever is in control. Isn't that right? So if the spirit is in control, the body is going to follow it. Get up. We're going to church. We're going to hear the word of God. If the soul is in power, it's like, you know what? And so we want to be people that are led by the spirit. So, so that does not mean, help me with me, that does not mean you're not saved. None of that. No, we're not talking about you are saved, you are born again. The problem is things don't change because what happens at the beginning with Adam, he were walked in perfect, uh, unbroken fellowship in his spirit, right? With the Lord, he communed with God Almighty. Think about that, the creator of all the galaxies. We got the James Webb telescope up there seeing the furthest parts of the galaxy. He created all that in a step. That's our God. Walked with Adam and Eve. Walk with them. That means God Almighty cares about you and what's going on in your life. But he communes through their spirit. But we know what happened. Lord, we'll get to next week. He was deceived. Sin came in. And here's what happened. Ready? The spirit. This is why Satan came in tempted. He took that spirit, that part that was commune with God. And it became subservient. soul took over. The soul, mind, your will, your emotions, your flesh, the soul took preeminence and dominance. And the soul has run mankind ever since. And you got insane people walking in, shooting things up, killing people, schools, stabbings. I can't tell you how many feeds you go through through Facebook. Someone's running out of the car, beating up somebody, fighting somebody. Come on now. It's the soul. Soul is running rampant. That's how Satan wants it. He wants that. You know what? For the believer, though, even though now that we are born again, how many of you know that we need to, it's all elementary, we need to reckon this soul dead. Right? Amen? Reckon that dead. The Bible talks about when we talk about how the importance of the word affects our soul. You hear it Sunday morning throughout the week. How that word affects your soul, that it can be transformed. And Jesus came to kill the soul. That's what he did on the cross. Even to the last point in the garden, it says he what? If it's not your will, nevertheless, not my soul, but your will be done. Even though we know his soul was pure, it wasn't contaminated from corruption. That's the victory we walk in. That's the victory. Every head bowed, please. That's why... We don't see transformation is because our stuka 
our soul has not been renewed. We're not actually taking the time to really lean in and renew that soul through the Word of God to change our thinking, to change our will, to change our emotions about situations. Your body will serve whoever's in control. And our soul is governed by our own logic and our own reason. And many times, even as believers, we, we use logic and reason when many times it's a faith issue. Freedom begins with faith because it is a matter of faith. Freedom and faith going hand in hand. With every head bowed here this morning, two things I do as we conclude. Number one, I want to pray for those that you're not in right relationship. Your spirit, man, you know when I raise up this box about the spirit, you don't have the assurance of salvation. In other words, you hope to get to heaven, but you're not certain. Your spirit needs, needs God. And you can't just mental assent. You have to receive God in your life. That means you pray. You invite him in. If that's you here, I want to take a moment and say, you know what, Pastor? I need to get right. I need to get God in my life. Then you can pray a very simple but very costly prayer. If you're ready to take that step to receive Christ into your life, in your spirit, man or woman, then pray this with me. Every head bowed. Say, this. Say Jesus. I believe you died on that cross for my sin. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my spirit. Save me. Transform me. In Jesus' name, I give you my life. I give you my spirit. Now take it and fill me.